0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
1: Final hour of today's episode, episode number 153, coming to you on the eve of Pioneer Day. Can I tell you something about my wife? She was born on Pioneer Day. That's right, July 24th. I won't give the year. I think that's impolite. She probably wouldn't like me uh, broadcasting to you uh, over these airwaves how old she is. And so I'll leave it with the date, July 24th and she did much of her growing up here in the state of utah and pioneer day which coincided with her birthday as you well know often is accompanied by fireworks and she was told and believed from a very young age that uh, that those fireworks uh were were up in the sky to celebrate her birthday that was a wonderful sweet thing in fact one of our first dates uh, was on her birthday and you know she didn't tell me it was her birthday yeah we uh there was this tea shop At City Creek, I think it's gone out of business or at least relocated. It's not there anymore. Uh, But we were there uh, enjoying some tea together. And when I say enjoying some tea, she kind of introduced me to this whole tea thing. who, Who drinks tea? I don't know. And we're sitting there drinking tea, and it was a wonderful conversation. We talked about this and that. Uh, And then it was only afterwards, as we were uh, walking away, that she told me, oh, yeah, it's my birthday, too. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I feel like a jerk. I'm trying to uh, make this good impression on you. I didn't know it was your birthday. I could have, I don't know, sung a song or gotten you a gift or something like that. Uh, Well, no. Anyway, I bring that up because tomorrow is Pioneer Day, as you know. It's her birthday as well. And it's it's a unique Pioneer Day. So many of the celebrations that you and I have for years and years and years come to love and expect every year here in Utah, they're not happening. And that's too bad. But we do understand why, right? We know that we continue to uh, battle this coronavirus. All right, that goes without saying. We've got this foe out there, an invisible foe. Uh, Day by day, hopefully we're learning more and more about this foe. Uh, But from the earlier days, we have understood some of the fundamental tools we have, some of the fundamental weapons we have to employ in this battle against the coronavirus. You know, the hand washing from the early days and don't touch your face. uh, Those are all things that we have known are important and effective in the battle against this coronavirus. And then then masks came up. And they're... In the early days of the coronavirus, which is a phrase, man, I didn't ever expect I'd be saying, in the early days of the coronavirus, someday when the movie happens, and there's a movie about this, uh, COVID-19, there will be some old, uh, wise community leader who will gather the youngsters around who live in the post-COVID era, and he'll talk about the early days of the coronavirus era, when we were first learning of the weaknesses of this invisible foe. And one of the ways we could combat this invisible foe was the wearing of masks. Yeah, that's the big push right now. And it's been building for some time, right? But as this buildup or as it has become more common for people to either obey the uh, the mandates from their local governments uh, or comply with the guidance handed down by their uh, local health departments, there has been a division in who chooses to or chooses not to wear a mask. And oddly enough, and unpredictably, if I might add, the division between those willing to wear a mask and those who are not somehow has become a a political division or has given way to political division, I should say. And there's a great question. Why is that the case? Why? I do understand in areas where there are mandates. I I am a a very conservatively minded person. I uh, cherish my freedoms and I accept the the responsibility that comes uh, with those freedoms. And so I do bristle a bit when I hear about uh, mandates and requirements and uh, state-sponsored lockdowns and such like that. I, I don't want to be told what to do. And I understand that you don't either. I don't want to be told what to do. It's not in my nature. <laughs> in fact, it's it's for, for people uh, with that attitude that end up with uh, with radio talk shows. Yeah, it's no one's telling me what to do right here. It's just you and me chatting. <laughs> All right? Uh, And so somehow... The wearing of a mask has uh, given way to this political division. There is a a very good column right now, which you can find at Deseret.com, authored by uh, Jay Evenson, senior editorial columnist with the Deseret News. And just this past Friday, if you remember, I I took a few days off uh, to spend some time with little baby Piper and her mom, Jessica, whose birthday it is tomorrow. So if you'd send her a a birthday text message, five seven I'll pass it along. I'm sure she'd be happy to hear from you. Well, when I was away last Friday... Jason Perry uh, was so kind to to fill in for me, him uh, from the Hinckley Institute of Politics. And Jay Evenson, the author of this column titled How Did Masks Become a Political Thing? Uh, He was asked, uh, Jay was asked why there is so much of a divide between those who wear masks and those who don't. And I really didn't see this coming. I don't understand other than maybe... There's a feeling among uh, Republicans that's more stronger than among Democrats that, well, we don't like the government telling us what to do. And there's a feeling that the government here is telling you, uh, here's here's what you have to do. And we and we just kind of naturally rebel against that. Uh, but when all the, expert, the experts are telling us this is the way to, to stem the tide of this virus, uh, how this became a political issue it will be an interesting study someday for people a lot smarter than I am. Uh, But uh, but it's real and uh, it's, it's a difficult one to counter, as we saw in Utah County last this last week. I do believe that he is correct there in that the question or better said the answer to this question, how have masks become a political thing? I understand that it is multifaceted. The points he brought up there, uh, government telling someone, telling a population what to do, that gets some folks uh, up in arms a little bit, so to speak. And I'm one of those folks, right? I mentioned that a moment ago. I don't like being told what to do. Uh, Also, I would point out uh, that the the president has been slow to be seen publicly wearing a mask. I think it was just last week during that trip to Walter Reed in Washington, D.C., that he donned a mask for the, the first time publicly. And, you know, I I hope that does good. I hope that there are those uh, who have thus far been resistant to mask wearing. I hope they see the president and I hope that they take his example. Follow his example. Another quick theory I have on why this may have been uh, uh, an issue that has fallen along political lines is that many rural parts of our country have not been hit by the coronavirus like the more urban areas. And one of the characteristics of those who live in the more rural parts of this country is that they are more conservatively minded. And so uh, a large population of conservatively minded people have been living in an area where the effects of the coronavirus have not been as widespread as those living in the big cities like New York and Los Angeles and portions of Florida right now. And so it's all in theory that they have been presented with the threat of the coronavirus And it has been uh, just a a theory that they ought to be wearing these masks. Now, we know, I I believe, that science supports the rationale to wear these masks. uh, But if you're not seeing it up front, if you are not feeling the effects of this virus on your family, I can understand how you might be hesitant to take action against it. If there is no foe, why put up a fight? Well, there is a foe. There is a foe. And we need to be cautious about it. And it's unfortunate it's broken down along these political lines. I will say, though, in the past few days... Honestly, I have seen some of that breaking down. I think more and more individuals are embracing uh, the reality and the benefit of this mask wearing. And if you're not yet there, uh, I'd invite you to join the party because it's going to do us a lot of good. And we someday will be able to talk in a post-COVID era. And this is one of the ways we're going to be able to do so. All right. Quick break. When we come back, uh, I'm going to welcome to the program the producer of the movie show, Robin Garfield. You know her. She's been on this program a number of times. She's the mother of three, and she has a big decision to make right now. Where to send her kids to school in the fall? She wants them in the classroom. To what lengths is she willing to go to get them there? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.